0: Playbook, a football podcast with your hosts Ashley and Mike please sit back and enjoy the show
1: hi everyone and welcome back to the undroppables playbook a football podcast presented by the undroppables sponsored by analyst depot this I am Ashley this is my lovely co-host Michael Duncan how are you tonight besides freezing
0: yeah, I'm cold. But uh, other than that, you know, I'm not doing too bad. I'm not doing too bad.
1: No, I know. it's. A, I hope everyone is staying warm. Pretty much the entire country is in freezing cold temperatures. Um, but we were just chatting before the show about how no news breaks during the show, right? We've never really had any breaking news during the show. But right before the show, about three minutes before we start, it is revealed that Cowboys coach Mike McCarthy will be staying with the team for his final year on his contract. They will not terminate him. They will not participate in this year's coaching carousel. How do you feel about that?
0: Uh, I mean, I think it's dumb. I think mm-hmm. it's very stupid. Uh, <clears throat> we'll get there, Dan. We'll get there. Um, yeah, I just, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not surprised because it's Dallas and mm-hmm. I don't get it. I, 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 I don't, I feel like I don't have anything constructive to say about it. So I don't want to just spend 10 minutes just like saying the same thing over and over in different ways, which is probably what I'd end up doing. But like Dallas is going to Dallas. It's the definition of insanity. You're doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting different results. Um, it didn't matter how good they were during the regular season. They folded when it mattered. And that, at the end of the day, that's all that happened. So Mike yep. McCarthy is who he is.
1: I think it's silly to sit out on a coaching carousel this stacked. Whatever you were looking for is available for your taking this season, pretty much. So we'll see how it pays off for the Cowboys. Um, On the same similar note, Mike Tomlin did tell the team that he will be staying uh, with the Steelers for the final year on his contract. When the reporters had said like, you're on the final year of your, he literally walked out. It was about two days later that he said, I do intend to return the the organization intends to have me back, so Mike Tomlin will be back there. Obviously, the the big news happened right after the day after our show. The Patriots and head coach Bill Belichick part ways. Uh, wild, even though we saw it coming, still crazy. Um, I, you know, it's it's hard to imagine the Patriots without Belichick and Belichick without the Patriots. Um, after what he's accomplished there, but they did decide to move on. It was not a very, didn't seem to be a very extensive search as they they did. Oh, did they not? They just, no. So they had some.
0: they had something built into Gerard Mayo's contract, apparently Ah, when he signed on as an assistant, um, that basically said that if Bill Belichick moved on from the team, or if there was an opening, I don't know what the language is that they could hire, like that he could step right into that role. You're right.
1: I saw the jokes yeah. about succession and like how it was football's succession. That, yeah. um,
0: And because of that contract, they were not legally obligated required. to do okay. a full coaching service. Okay. Yeah. I
1: didn't know how that worked with like the Rooney rule and stuff, but I guess when it's like legally binding in a contract that they didn't have to do that. It makes yep. sense. Okay. So yeah, that's it. Gerard Mayo, a former linebackers coach who spent most of his professional, all, all of his professional career with the Patriots. He was drafted 10th overall in 2008 and played till 2016 with the Patriots. He is now their new head coach. The Patriots and Gerard Mayo had their press conference this morning. He, uh, Duncan, I watched a decent amount of it. Duncan released to me something I didn't see, which was he basically revealed they'll be drafting a quarterback. He didn't say so in as many words, but.
0: Yeah, it wasn't something that he said. Uh, it wasn't during his. Uh, speech with Robert Kraft uh it was um I'm gonna say I I think it was with a local news station or something I'm trying to find the exact tweet I I don't know why I I literally just saw it and for some reason I chose not to keep it in front of me yeah here we are pretty Um, much
1: saying that they have the third overall pick it's a valuable pick he's gonna use it to draft a position which is highly valued and the rest of us can put the pieces together.
0: Yeah. We're going to yep. draft the best player at uh, an important position. You do the math is more or less what he said.
1: Yep.
0: Um, yeah. I can't find the exact quote, but um, yep. yeah. Yeah. That wasn't during his official press conference. I okay. It looked like it, it was with a local news station, okay. uh, but yeah. So I guess they're drafting quarterback at third overall.
1: Yeah. So. We'll see. The commanders hire former 49ers assistant general manager. He was also at one point, the former vice president of player personnel for the 49ers, Adam Peters as their new general manager. Obviously the organization's under a lot of change, a lot of new ownership and um, advisors, and now they have their new general manager.
0: I also, uh, I don't have a lot to say about that, but something I do want to say about hiring uh, Gerard Mayo is, um, the most intriguing part of it for me is the fact that he has spent his entire professional career with one organization, that mm-hmm. Patriots. Um, it's going to be really interesting to watch him fill out his staff. I think yeah. that's something that I'm sure Patriots fans are thinking about, but is probably going a little bit under the radar. Typically, you get coaches that are moving into head coaching positions that have been all over the NFL, have been on a lot of different coaching staffs, or at least a few different. Um, he's been under Belichick his entire playing and coaching career and I just think that's gonna be a very interesting hurdle that he's gonna to have to come mm-hmm. because while the coaching staff hasn't been very good outside of Bill Belichick in recent years and you know defensive you know defensive position coaches here or there but uh um, especially the offense it's just um I'm looking forward to seeing what his solutions are to those possible problems.
1: Yeah and to me I think it's also interesting because we it is so much conversation about the Belichick way, right, and how it doesn't really translate elsewhere, that other people have tried and it doesn't work. We saw Joe Judge try the Belichick way with the Giants. That didn't work. Um, so it you see people try and fail. So to see how Gerard Mayo approaches that when what he knows is the Belichick way will be interesting. Um a lot that's stuff that will come out with with time and with players who come and go and coaches who come and go. I don't expect to get information on that right away on on how he like treats it the Belichick way, but it will be interesting to see nonetheless. Um next is Wait, one more thing.
0: Sorry. Okay. The exact quote. We're gonna draft the best player for a position that's very important. You put the pieces together, and it was for Yeah, uh, he said that in an interview with WBZ CBS News okay. Boston. So yep. I was pretty darn close to getting it word
1: for You me. were. You were. The Saints fire offensive coordinator Pete Carmichael after 15 seasons. Obviously, Dennis Allen was revealed to be staying with the organization, but they do fire their offensive coordinator. I don't get it. Another one that seems a little silly.
0: Say, look, I, like I've been saying this for two to three seasons now they're just a loss like not maybe quite as lost and confused as the Titans were and maybe still are but like I just don't get what the Saints are doing I don't get it like if anything I would have fired him just because instead of like maybe just lying about his players not listening to him he went yeah. out and defended Arthur Smith who got fired I just don't get it I don't get why you retain him yeah yeah I, I don't it get seems what he silly. has. I don't.
1: It's, it's the best way to describe it is it seems pretty silly. Um, and last piece of big news from this week was Colts owner, Jim Irsay was apparently found unresponsive in behind uh, his bed by police in December. Um, the story goes that EMTs arrived, administered Narcan that worked partially. And the incident in reports like police reports, EMT reports is classified as an OD slash drug related incident okay
0: um, we did kind yes. of skip over one piece of news uh, oh, okay. which isn't technically uh, hi hi Jake hi Jake's dad. I don't want to like dox you and say well, I guess your last name <laughs> is showing up on the Facebook um, hi Mike uh, but um, this what this isn't an official piece of news, but let me just go right. find the actual um, report. it is that... Um, how do I lose these things so quickly? Every time. I, it's really bad. I at, this, at least this time I sent it into a group chat. But yeah, um, Diana Rossini uh, reported that Eagles GM, Harry Roseman, and head coach Nick Sirianni have been reaching out to available NFL coaches and coordinators, as well as coaching ag- agents across the league to evaluate potential coordinator candidates to join their coaching staff as they plan for the 2024 season. This happening after... Um, the supposed meeting between Jeffrey Lurie, the owner of the Eagles and Nick Sirianni to discuss what the future may look like. And with the outcome of that meeting, probably deciding whether or not head coach Nick Sirianni keeps his job. Uh, This report implies though it is not confirmed. It is not reported yet. It implies that Nick Sirianni will be retained as head coach, um, likely with changes to at least I would assume the defensive coordinator position and very possibly the offensive coordinator position and maybe other pieces of his staff. Yeah. Um, I didn't know what to think. Uh, about a month ago, if you had asked me, I would have said there was no way he's getting fired. And then arguably one of the biggest collapses I think we've ever seen in the NFL. Most drastic collapses, for sure. Not based around injuries um, or like a key. I
1: think the only one's comparable is that 11 and one Steelers run, right? I feel, 11 and 0. Eleven and zero. Sorry, eleven and zero. Steelers run would be the the one that's comparable.
0: Yeah, even that one. That one never felt the same
1: because
0: mm-hmm. I don't think I, any, I know what you mean. Yeah, the Eagles were coming like because the Steelers, the, the Eagles were coming off a Super Bowl loss. Like they, mm-hmm. had, everyone had any right to believe that they were just as good as their record was. Eagles fans, people that watched it, they were like, eh, they don't look that. They don't look ten and one good. They're still good. They're not great. But then uh, this collapse is the Steelers didn't fall to this height, I don't think. And that's the difference, is the Steelers lost in the first round of the playoffs, sure, um, because they weren't that great of a team. But this Eagles team looks like I'm out there calling the plays by pressing ask Madden, like for offense. And then the defense, you have two bad outings against two great offenses on short weeks with the extended rest of the other guys. After your defensive coordinator is working around injuries and all that, you've demote your defensive coordinator and promote Matt Patricia to essentially be the defensive coordinator and play caller um for no reason um and that blew up in your face the defense got drastically worse and meanwhile the offense just never found their footing um watching replays watching breakdowns of this playoff game in particular they have no answer for the blitz um I know I'm kind of jumping into like the game. Very far. (laughs) Yeah, sorry. Um, I got sidetracked. But regardless, uh, I don't know if this is worth it to keep Nick Sirianni. I like Mm -hmm. Nick Sirianni, but um, at the end of the day, he didn't do the things that being a head coach that's not calling plays, he didn't do the things well that he should have been doing, which is game management, decision making, that kind of stuff. And the offensive scheme is his. He said it. And that offensive scheme consisted of essentially wide receiver screens, uh, running the ball sometimes, but not really, and four verts. They didn't throw over the middle, and it just, I don't get it. It, it, They had no answer for the blitz. It's just, yeah. Very bad. You see
1: the tweet I sent you this morning that said history. The Eagles ran six hundred and ninety screenplays this season. It accumulated for negative twenty-six yards. It's an NFL record single season low in yardage on screens.
0: To be clear, you know that's fake, right?
1: I know, I'm just saying, I'm sending it to you. I like that. That's how it feels.
0: Okay. The way you read it made it sound like it was real. No, very clear that's fake. I sent it to you. I I, like I'm
1: saying that's how it feels.
0: It, well, you didn't say that. You just well, read it. Well, that's what
1: I meant. Sorry. Okay,
0: well, I'm, I'm saying you just read it. Uh, it's, it's important to put the asterisk because Eagles fans Sorry. were legitimately questioning whether or not that was real because that is what it felt like.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, so very bizarre. Uh, very, yeah. very bizarre. Uh, a lot of it's going to matter who they can bring in at coordinator positions. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's, uh, again, I guess technically it's not official. Uh, but I do expect that I, based on the reporting, I expect that to be the case. So I guess we'll find
1: out. Yep.
0: Um, yeah.
1: Well, now that we've drawn to the last game of super Wild card weekend, let's go to the first one. Let's do some game recap here. The Texans versus the Browns ends in a stunning 45 to 14 Texas Texans victory. Just C. like J. we Stroud, all saw coming. Yeah, absolutely. CJ Stroud. Absolutely demolished the Browns incredible defense. They had no answer. Um Shroud tied the NFL rookie record for most passing touchdowns in a game at three. He did all three of those in the first half. The Texans in, came in out pl- aggressive in the
0: playoffs to be in clear. the play.
1: Sorry. That's what I mean. In the playoffs. Um The Texans came out aggressive and came out on top. CJ Stroud is the first rookie quarterback drafted in the first round to win a playoff game since 2009. When Mark Sanchez did it with the New York giants. Uh
0: wouldn't he probably have done it with the New York Jets?
1: Oh, yes.
0: Yep, yep. So Mark yep. Sanchez did it with the yep. Jets, not the Giants. Yep.
1: Sorry. I literally am typing all of my notes um, as the games go. So these notes are transcribed. Like my game notes, most of those are transcribed as I do it. And then I must have just kept typing. And I type New York and um, instinctively type Giants. Fair and enough. I just read. And then I just read. <laughs>
0: Uh yeah, but uh D'Amico Ryan's man, he's uh he's a he's a good coach. Um CJ yeah. Stroud is not afraid of the moment. Um they're doing it all without, you know, uh their third round rookie sensation, Tank Dell. Um yeah, I, I, I mean this is what I expected this team to be like maybe two years down the road. Mm-hmm. But more impressive than anything is they did this against the top defense in the league in yeah. the Cleveland Bonds. Um I, like I, I wish I had like deep, insightful commentary to provide for this game, but like, it just they dominated on both ends of the bo- both sides of the football. Yeah. Um, CJ Stroud, he from the from the very first moment this season, he never felt like he was a rookie. It never mm-hmm. felt like you were watching a rookie. You kept you kept waiting for the other shoe to drop, it never did, and guess what? It still hasn't. Um, granted. He is now going to be playing the number one seeded Baltimore Ravens. So uh, who knows? Maybe he'll keep surprising us.
1: Yeah. Um, Key players on the Browns just did. I mean, Miles Garrett didn't really do anything. Joe Flacco looks like he just got off the couch last week instead of a couple weeks ago. Um, The Browns just didn't look like themselves. The Browns didn't have an answer for anything for what the Texans were doing. Texans, um, was receivers kept getting open and the pass rush on Joe Flacco could not be stopped. And they had no answer for anything. I agree with you is more of, I have more insight on most of the other games. This one for me was just a stunner. And I really don't have too much insight on it because again, the Browns had no answer for anything. The Texans did.
0: Yeah. Texans just dominated.
1: Anything, anything, even this game, but anything going forward is just icing on the cake for this Texans team who didn't expect to be here. And I think they're just probably one of that. is is probably one of the most uh, incredible stories of the season so far. Yeah, agreed. All right, on to another blowout. It seemed to be the theme of Wild Card Weekend. Uh, the fourth coldest game in NFL history: the Chiefs versus the Dolphins. The Chiefs walk away with a twenty-six to seven win. The kickoff temperature was negative four with a windshield of negative 27. That was the storyline leading up to the game all week. It was the fourth coldest game in NFL history. It was the Rashi Rice show for most of it. Um, And the Steve Spagnuolo show. That was what a performance from him. Tua was under constant pressure from Jones, Karlaftis, O'Menahue. It was nearly lockdown defense from McDuffie and the Darius Sneed. The Dolphins could not do anything. Whether you want to put some of that on the cold weather and the Dolphins playing out of their element or just the game plan that the Chiefs brought forward to the Dolphins, the Dolphins could not do anything in this game.
0: Yeah. I mean, I to be honest, like, I don't think the Chiefs were like crazy impressive. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, the score looks, it, it was a blowout. The Chiefs were definitely more impressive than the Dolphins, but they didn't like blow me away and make me think, Oh wow. Yes. The regular season didn't happen. They really turned yes. on a new gear. It's like, no, they, they had a lot of very similar problems that they had most of the season. Um, it just didn't matter because they have a lot of talent and Andy Reid's a good head coach at the end of the day you have Patrick Mahomes. Uh, and yeah, the defense showed up and were able to really slow Well, that combined with the cold weather. We're able to slow down, uh, the Miami Dolphins. Yeah. And the- they, if they were going to win, it was going to be on offense.
1: Yep. And some of the most interesting points of the game was when Patrick Mahomes helmet, broke that was crazy one of the coolest photos i've seen I, I wish i grabbed the name of the photographer i believe her name is emily uh, if you find the photo of patrick mahomes in the hit you can see the piece of his helmet flying off on the photo it's one of the coolest photos i've seen this season um he was wearing a quarterback specific Vices helmet those of you who have watched a long time know i am very interested in um brain injuries and helmets for NFL players. Quarterback-specific, vices helmet. Um, Obviously, I think part of that has to do with just the way he was hit, but a lot of that does also have to do with the cold temperatures. Um, And honestly, it breaking is kind of a good thing um, because it didn't absorb – the very cold helmet didn't absorb and put all of that energy back onto Patrick Mahomes' head. It snapped and broke a piece off. I will say it was a a little odd because usually – they didn't, like, have to call a timeout for or use it. The Chiefs didn't have to use the timeout there, which usually would have to happen, or Patrick Mahomes would have to sit out of play. Um, it was a little odd situation going on there. Not that big. The next big storyline was Andy Reid's mustache. Frozen, solid, with icicles on it. Looking like that, uh, the picture of the walrus with the icicles on its, uh, like, whisker things. But yeah, those were two of the best storylines from this game.
0: And now uh, the Miami Dolphins hold the longest playoff drought. They do uh, NFL, uh, having not won in twenty-three years since December of two thousand. Yes, with the Lions winning, of course, being the reason that that is broken.
1: Yep, and one of my favorites is the Dolphins didn't convert a single third down until the like a couple minutes into the fourth quarter. They had a they had a really tough time I, I really credit the uh, most of this Chiefs win to Steve Spenell
0: yeah yeah it'll be interesting to see how uh that changes next week uh we'll get into the breakdowns for the you know the upcoming games but uh yep yeah
1: yep next, all right next our up favorite, our favorite game of the weekend absolutely. Absolutely, hands down. The Packers seem to have accidentally stumbled upon another generational quarterback. The Packers beat defeat, strongly defeat, decide, but bes- blew out. Uh, well, I wanted to say, despite <laughs> the Packers strongly defeat the Cowboys, despite what the final score will tell you. The final score was forty-eight to thirty-two. The Packers awesome. walk away into the divisional round. It was forty-eight um,
0: to sixteen when the game ended.
1: What? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So it, the the final score is, and the bo- honestly, the box score, I take those numbers and throw them out the window. No, Dak, was... Dak with
0: an ultimate stat padding attempt uh, yes. in the in the fourth quarter there. Just incredible work by him. Yeah, um, really pull, truly putting up those crazy playoffs numbers, keeping the game close, uh, coming so close to getting that win. Um, yeah. it's almost like he's not elite.
1: Yeah, you and I have a. I had this conversation with someone at work the other day that you and I like two years ago had a conversation about how we just thought Dak like didn't have that, the, like the it factor, the clutch, like he could not show up in these key moments that for us, that was like a huge point of his play was that he didn't have this, this clutch factor, clutch gene, whatever you want to call it, that he did not possess that in our eyes. And I think it just keeps showing itself over and over again.
0: He, Yeah. He has two mm-hmm. playoff wins in what, eight, nine seasons. Um, it just, uh, it, I, I got in an argument with, uh, ironically, uh, Mr. Dino game theory himself, Jax Falcone, mm-hmm. uh, on the undrafted podcast a couple weeks ago. And I plan on going back and clipping some of that because we had a long conversation, a long argument about Mr. Dak Prescott, uh, Jax calling him elite, all of this other stuff. And well, let's just say that, uh, exactly what I predicted happened. Yeah. It happened around sooner than I expected, but, uh, in a more hilarious fashion. Uh, yeah. Yes, the, the Cowboys did get blown out on national television. Um,
1: I want to hear your thoughts on the Packers first, and then let's talk about the Cowboys a little bit.
0: Yeah, the Packers, they're the youngest team. Uh, one of the youngest teams ever. They have the youngest offensive core uh, skill players to ever be in the playoffs. They didn't have a single pro bowler, uh, not a single all pro. Um yeah, just a. I mean, Matt Lafleur is a really good coach. Like that mm-hmm. to me, that's my biggest takeaway. Jordan Love has been playing really well for about seven weeks now, seven eight weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, the second half of the season, he really really turned it on, and uh, there was a noticeable difference in his stature, in the way that he played the game, in the way that he yep. was seeing the game, and. Yeah, they just took it to the next level. And I credit Matt LeFleur with that greatly. Great because, again, Dallas is one of the better defenses in the league. One of the best defenses yeah. in the league. And they just kept putting up points. And not to mention, the Packers don't have all that talented of a defense. And they're going up against one of the best offenses in the league. Yes. One of the most humming offenses. Um, you got Especially see- at home. Yeah, well, that yeah, the Cowboys were coming off a 16 straight home win streak. Mm-hmm. 8-0 this season. Um, And winning games by over 20 points on average this season. Yep. Uh, The Packers are also officially the first seven seed to ever win a playoff game.
1: Yay. Um,
0: And so glad it happened against (laughs) the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Yeah. But yeah, the Packers are impressive. They're, they're, they're they're an impressive team. Um, They are not afraid to punch above their weight. And I like, I I don't think I'll be picking them spoiler. I don't think I'll be picking them to win this week, but I'm not going to count them out. Like I probably counted them out last week. I think most yeah. people probably did more yeah. because of Dallas than because of the Packers. But yes. um, Yeah. I, I I'm, I'm not going to count them out this week.
1: Yeah. For me, I think it was just that the Packers patience with all of that young talent like is really starting to pay off for them. I don't think they really, they didn't rush the development of a lot of these guys. Like you said, it's the youngest offensive core and I don't ever feel like they put like them in bad situations. I felt like they, you know, they, they continuously lifted these guys up and I think that's finally paying off for them. Um, Aaron Jones obviously recorded his fourth 100 yard game in a row and just their whole game plan as a whole, they, they came in what felt like so free and loose and aggressive in a good way. Like I, I do think that there's bad ways to be aggressive in a football game, but they came out aggressive in like a very fluid, fun way And it's just, I think that really worked for them. I don't think it felt like they never took themselves too seriously in this game and that they were just playing to play ball. Right. We're playing, we're here. We didn't expect to be here. We're just going to play ball. so we, you know, I think a lot of people counted them out. I don't, I don't think they counted themselves out, but they played as if like we had nothing to lose. We're playing because we're here. That's, you know, we're going to have fun with it. I think Jordan love, was absolutely incredible. He adapted so well to pressure, even though the Cowboys couldn't get much pressure on him. Uh, when they did, he adapted really well. He made a bunch of beautiful off-platform throws, and the Packers' use of motion on offense was, I think, crucial to a lot of their offensive success. And that leads me into Dallas, um, who played man coverage for majority of their season and played it really well and for some reason switched to playing zone coverage for majority of this game, and it never worked for them. The use of motion by the Packers absolutely revealed that they were in zone consistently. I think the Packers kept expecting the Cowboys to move back to man, and the, that use of motion was to try and identify that, um, and they they really didn't. And because of that, they never forced Jordan Love to make these throws into really tight coverages or put himself like expose himself on throws and receivers just kept getting open and, and the zone defense did not work for this Patriots uh, for Patriots for this Cowboys team. Um, I don't think Dan Quinn had a good performance in this game with his defense. Uh, Micah Parsons got what one pressure and it wasn't even like a full pressure. Um, they couldn't do anything to stop this offense. And while yes, the the Packers have been playing really well, like you said, for the last seven weeks, this, Cowboys defense should have been able to slow down this Packers offense at least a little bit
0: yeah and they didn't they just they didn't Michael Parsons was effectively not playing in the game yep they were incredible uh Packers just embarrassed the Cowboys and but hey we're gonna run it back
1: Well, all of my numbers here. Dallas has only won four playoff games in the last 27 years. This is the Cowboys' 13th trip to the playoff without advancing to the conference championship game, extending their own streak for the longest such drought in the NFL history that comes from Field Yates. And the Cowboys are the first team to win 12 games in three straight seasons and failed to make the conference championship in any of them. That's since 1970. And I got that off of Ed Werner's Twitter.
0: It's also the 28th consecutive season that they didn't make a conference championship. So that obviously combining with the 13th playoff appearance. Yeah. So, yep. yeah, uh, not a lot of fun. If you're a Dallas Cowboys fan, if you're basically anyone else, anyone you probably else. had a lot of fun watching that game. Um, yep. I, I was just I was giddy the whole time. It was yeah. maybe the most enjoyable part of my weekend.
1: Yep. I like I, I obviously we all know a Cowboys fan. They are everywhere like roaches. Um, so it's like I didn't even have anything to say other than like LMAO throughout the entire game. You and I like we yeah. that was our entire conversation. The entire you and I the entire game was just like, oh my God. Oh my God. LMAO. Ha ha ha. Like that was like the, the there's nothing to say. It was just so funny. So yep. funny. Um, so America's team, and then we'll move on to the, what felt like real America's team. This, this game was the lions versus the Rams. The lions walk away with a win in a one point game, 24 to 23, the lions advance. They win their first playoff game in 32 years. And for the first time in franchise history, the lions will play two playoff games, um, in at home. Yep. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, Really good game from the Lions. A really good game from the Rams. Matthew Stafford is a warrior. Battled through probably too much, depending yes. whether or not you think he got a concussion. Um, we'll probably never know. Uh, but he definitely just got hit a ton and had some serious, serious looking injuries. There was a, a real point in time uh, where it looked like Carson Wentz was about to come in. And mm-hmm. I don't, I don't mean to uh, alarm you, but if Carson Wentz had went in and won the game assuming Matthew Stafford was could not play the following week, uh, in all of my Eagles group chats, we were saying, oh, God, if we win our mm-hmm. game, we would be playing the Carson Wentz-led Rams in the second round of the playoffs. Um, yeah. Obviously, neither of those things came to pass, but it was just a very funny um, thing to think Fleeting about.
1: Fleeting thought, yeah. yeah.
0: Um, but no, a, re- a really great game. Just, you know, it was, yeah. it was back and forth. I think the Lions led for most of it. Um, mm-hmm. but there was never really a point in time where I thought that the Rams weren't right there with them. Puka Nakua obviously went off. He had 180 yards. I think it was, um, yes.
1: And it was the most receiving yards by a rookie wide receiver Wookie. in a playoff game Yes, <laughs> in a playoff game.
0: Yeah. He was incredible. I mean, he was awesome. Uh, the stage wasn't too big for him. Um, Jameer Gibbs and Sam Laporta also, uh, came up huge as rookies, um, I appreciate Sean McVay after the game. He's when asked about a very controversial non uh, a non call on what would have mm-hmm. been um, uh pass interference on the Lions mm-hmm. defense on Puka Nakua. Um, he basically said, look like, you know, whatever, but hats off to the Lions. Like he didn't want it to get, yeah. he didn't want to get it twisted that he was blaming on the refs. It's like the Lions played a great game. We should focus, yeah. like focus on the fact that they played a great game.
1: I loved the entirety of his post uh, game presser. He he talked a lot about um, how like this team made him fall in love with football again. And I was going to say
0: it felt that way.
1: Yeah. He was like this, like another year. He, he, he almost walked away like Mm -hmm. twice in in the last two years, he almost walked away. And he said that this team reinvigorated that love for football for him. And he was really having fun with it again.
0: And it felt like it. Um, Yeah. It is a shame. I think we all knew it was going to happen, but there had to be at least one very controversial end of game call in the first round of the playoffs on national television. And we got it. Mm-hmm. Um, it should have been a pass interference. I agree. And unfortunately it effectively cost the Rams the game.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The lions deserve the win. That's not what I'm saying. Don't hear what I'm not saying, but it's just unfortunate that this has to keep happening and there's no answer for it. Uh, yep. Cause I, I didn't think this one was all that controversial to me. This, this was not quite on the level of the Rams saints game mm-hmm. uh, from whenever that was 2018, 19, whenever. Yep. Um, but it was pretty obvious in my opinion. Uh, so yeah, just interesting to see if the NFL really says much about it. It definitely flew under the radar compared to some controversial cause I feel like, because how close the game was, and everyone's happy for the Lions, and that's understandable. Yes. Um, the, the Detroit has nothing to be ashamed of. You know, they didn't make the call; they live with it. There were other missed calls, um, but mm-hmm. it's just a shame. It's a shame that this has to keep happening. Uh, also, Sean McVay is a coward. Um, that has very long been my number one complaint about him. He's a great offensive mind.
1: Where's the well, surrender index? Why Hunt. it was Where's ninety? It was
0: over 99th percentile.
1: Yeah, there we
0: go. Yeah, yep. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't know why he punted it. It was.
1: Yeah, that's that's in my notes here is that I just felt like the Rams weren't aggressive enough. They were also zero for three in the are. red zone. They were zero for three in the red zone, and that is kind of where this game ends, right? Is zero for three in the red zone. After that, what what are you supposed to do? Um, for me, the Lions rookies I think played a huge role in this. Laporta, Gibbs, Branch, Campbell, all all held their weight here. Goff is the first quarterback ever to win a playoff game against a team he previously started a playoff game for. I think the most interesting for me f- about him in this game was that he was 22 for 22 and 277 yards and one touchdown when he had pressure. Um, so he has been playing phenomenal. And also yeah. they've, I'm I think the stat is they've won every game in which their starting offensive line was all there. They've won every game. They were all there. Um, that that unit was incredibly cohesive throughout this game and did everything they could, and Goff made the most of it. Laporta had the most receptions by a rookie tight end in a playoff debut. I just think this team was really firing on all cylinders, and I I credit the Rams for what they were able to do because this game could have very well have gotten away from them with how the Lions were performing, and the Rams were able to keep up and, and slow them down just enough to, to keep up with them. Um, shout out to the moon. The moon was a waxing crescent the last time that the Lions won a playoff game. It was also a waxing crescent on Sunday when they won their playoff game. Um, the Los Angeles Rams and Detroit Lions wildcard playoff game on Sunday night on NBC and Peacock averaged 35.8 million viewers across all platforms with 31.9 million viewers on NBC stations, ranking as TV's most watched primetime show since Super Bowl. Which number is that?
0: Uh, that would be fifty-seven.
1: Fifty-seven, according to Nielsen, that was on a uh, Arash Markazi's Twitter, and Ford Field really had a twelfth man. They topped out at one hundred and thirty-three point six decibels, which is the equivalent of a jet engine.
0: Do you not In- know how to read Roman numerals? No. L is fifty. Okay. V is and then five. V is five. And then okay, the line is oh, one. V is
1: five. I I don't really. I don't really need to know that.
0: How, you you watch? No, you do. You you honest to god, you do.
1: Yeah, I'll, like, you do I, I like. do a football podcast,
0: and yes, are, I understand. Are, but like,
1: I know, I know the numbers like in the season.
0: Oh, you do. So I didn't have to just read it for you.
1: No, I'm saying like oh, like do you get what I'm? <laughs> I mean, like in the season, i can be like, oh, this Super Bowl is this number, but I don't, I don't know the the. But Roman if someone goals. shows
0: you a logo, you're screwed.
1: Yeah, I don't know the Roman numerals.
0: That's not good.
1: Anyway, um, the crowd noise made the Rams use two timeouts in the second half at crucial moments. I also think that played a huge role. Absolutely. Lions, what a um, what a story for them, and it was really incredible to watch. It felt like one of those moments that you'll remember, even if you're not a diehard Lions fan, to be able to, to I felt like I was like a kid, like sitting up late, like past my bedtime, watching the Lions and being like, wow, this is so cool. Anyway, Um,
0: before we move on, I have a small update. Okay. Diana Rossini tweeted eight minutes ago, though, this may suggest that Nick Sirianni is safe. I'm told he has not yet met with owner Jeffrey Lurie, something that was not possible today because of logistical issues until that meeting happens. All bets are off. So I take back what I said about all of that taking place after said meeting. Uh, This is the meeting that essentially got Doug Peterson fired uh, back in 2020. Good. um they apparently or yeah 2020 basically Doug or Jeffrey Lurie went into that meeting expecting to retain Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson did not have good enough answers into how he was going to rebuild his coaching staff moving forward and his plan for going forward. Um and that left Jeffrey Lurie with the choice to fire him. Um so all bets are still off. Woo. Uh yeah. Great. Sorry.
1: Okay, on to the Bills-Steelers. Obviously, this game is not where we told you it was going to be on uh, Monday afternoon. This happened at, what, 4.30? 4.30, yeah, 430 30 on Monday afternoon. It got postponed. The Buffalo area was bombarded with snow, lake effect snow. Really cool weather phenomenon if you want to look into it. Um, bombarded with snow. They had a bunch of shovelers They were paying 20 bucks an hour. If you wanted to go shovel uh, the field for them, they ended up postponing the game for the safety of not really for the game to make sure that they could safely get the, the fans to and from the field. Um, Buffalo, obviously last year uh, lost some lives in a snowstorm because emergency services could not get to them. So they wanted to do this for the safety of the entire city. So they postponed it to Monday. And the Bills fans made the best of it. They made thrones out of uh, snow and ice. They made slides down the stairs because basically they didn't clear out all of the snow from the seats, so it all went into the stairs and people would just slide down the stairs. It looks like Bills and, and uh, Steelers fans had a lot of fun together, at least. And they uh, they got to watch a, a game and the Bills came out on top 31-17.
0: Yeah, this was the 2-7 uh, the seed matchup that we were expecting. It was never mm-hmm. particularly close. No. Um, yeah, the the Bills ran away with it. Josh Allen was spectacular. Um, everyone stopped complaining about what sort of almost kind of maybe looked like a fake slide. It wasn't. Just shut yeah. up. I'm, I'm, so, I'm so sick of Twitter discourse. Um, mm-hmm. Yet I refuse to get off of it because I I, I admit I am addicted um, mm-hmm. and it's bad for my mental health. But here I am not making any changes because I need to... Yeah, it's fine. Um, it is what it is. Uh, but yeah, it um it wasn't a close game. And the Bills are now moving on to have a home game against the Kansas City Chiefs, which we will talk more about later. Uh, but yeah, my biggest takeaway is the Bills have a pit where they're sacrificing yes! people into. Um, if that they sounds weird, it, it is. Uh, essentially it's the pit where their new stadium is being built and someone like accidentally fell in five weeks ago. Yeah. Before their winning streak that led to them being the two seed. Uh, And since then they have been sacrificing, not dying, but like pushing, you know, people have been falling in on purpose as a way to keep this winning streak going. Um, In a different group chat that I was in this week, we were talking about NFL alignment charts as in lawful, neutral, evil, chaotic, um, all that kind of stuff. Uh, good and I, I firmly put the bills in chaotic good yes. and that does feel very accurate yeah um, absolutely especially given this news uh, I did see a I think it was like a screenshot of like a Twitter exchange but it was basically like do you think the right sacrifice would uh, have enough power to bring a Super Bowl win like if we'd sacrifice Taylor Swift can that you know We'd get the Super Bowl someone said no, I think that would get us world peace and then the guy responded with "I'm more concerned about the Super Bowl <laughs> that's fair I respect it um yes um yeah
1: anyway that this all stems from an ER doctor who reported that like Five weeks ago, somebody came in and was like, I accidentally fell in the Bills' pit. And they were like, what? And then they won. And then now it's like started the pit has like a cult that they're like, one person has to fall into the pit. And one person has fallen into the pit. The ER doctor says at least one has fallen into the pit during this winning streak. So Um, now we have have 9-11 firing the offensive coordinator and the pit to all (laughs) attribute to this bill's winning streak
0: yep um dan did point out accidentally drunk basically the same thing i agree um Mm -hmm. also yes they did throw snowballs once again at the opposing team in the end zone but we will never hear about it again until they do it again next year because it wasn't at santa and it didn't happen in the 60s and philadelphia didn't do it uh so it doesn't matter uh really in the in the grand scheme of things. And yeah. Snow
1: made for one more of my favorite pictures um, in the NFL this season, which is See, when the Bills scored so their to first touchdown. On. That's how
0: much it doesn't matter. <laughs> Uh, she didn't even respond to my statement just said yeah i'm moving on it's not the eagle throwing snowballs at santa claus that's for damn sure it's not go on Ashley. anyway it's
1: when they took the snow and they were basically making like snow fireworks with it they were throwing it up in the air everyone at the same time it was a really cool picture if you can find that one
0: it sounds really great Ashley. cool it was Um, it's
1: no throwing snowballs at santa claus but yep 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 Great. Yep. All right. All right. Well, now that you get to talk about that, you get to talk about the Eagles. The Eagles lose in terrible fashion. They yeah. fall 32, 32 yeah. to nine to the Buccaneers. Um, before I even talk, I will give you the floor.
0: It's just, I look, uh, pe- people might call bullshit on this, but I texted Ashley after Dallas lost. I said, I, I honestly, I'm not even going to be upset if the Eagles lose now. Cause mm-hmm. the only thing that I was upset about pre, this playoffs was like dallas is in a good position to break their streak of not making the conference championship uh which i i like that streak uh and then they lost and i was like all right honestly because this wasn't i the had text no expe- was
1: i don't even care if the eagles win now and then the next one after that was couldn't care less
0: yeah. yeah and it's because instead of going in with expectations the last month has just been a constant depressive state lowering my expectations realistic like yeah and dan said felt like most eagles fans knew they were gonna lose we did some of us talked ourselves into it after dallas lost and we were like well that would be fun you
1: talked yourself into it last wednesday
0: no but that so but you do you remember my reasoning no it was so <laughs> you're the worst you're, 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 i forgot the worst
1: I was so tied up on the fact that when you were talking, all I could think about was how the week before you told me that, that the, the Bucks were somebody that you didn't want to face. But then, then you walked that back and you said, if you were the Cowboys
0: it back, it's once again, you didn't listen to what I said, which we are now proving two weeks in a row. You didn't listen to what I said. <laughs> what I said was the re I said, we were going to lose. And I changed my mind halfway through because I realized what was actually going to happen is we were going to win so we could lose to Dallas in the second round okay. so they can go on to the conference championship.
1: Okay. If we lo-
0: After Dallas lost, I knew we were going to lose because there's nothing like, we don't care if we lose to the lions and that's who we would have played. It, it, we, we don't care if you, if you had to put us in front of Dallas and then we had to lose on national television to Dallas, that's yeah. torture. That's torture. This was the most painful way to go out. All I said last week was we would go out in the most painful way. Yeah. We did. By scoring nine points. Also, the Tush Push didn't fail. They very clearly grabbed his fucking face mask and pulled him back. So everybody shut the hell up. It didn't fail. The only thing I was upset about is the fact that that was likely not guaranteed, but likely Jason Kelsey's last game. And Jason Kelsey is a first ballot hall of famer will likely have his Jersey retired. And he's an awesome human being. So that sucks. Yeah. Not to mention a couple other franchise stars that are likely going, and there's a good chance it's near their last game or their last game or whatever, but yeah, not a lot, uh, not a lot of fun. Um, Uh, We'll talk about the Bucs more when we get to their matchup. But um, Mm -hmm. last thing I have to say about the Eagles and their coaching situation is um, something actually that I I was reminded of that Jeffrey Lurie said after Doug Peterson was fired. uh, And that's that he said he opened his I think he opened his press conference basically by saying Doug Peterson does not deserve to be fired. He does not deserve to lose his job. But that's Mm -hmm. where we are. That is very much how I feel about Nick Sirianni. He probably deserves to continue to be the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles and have a chance to turn it around after showing what he's already shown. It doesn't matter if he deserves it because he lo- it's truly seemed like I have not seen such a lifeless team in my life. That's maybe not true, but in a very long time, have I not seen such a lifeless Philadelphia Eagles team with no expectation of winning the game? No fight for winning the game, save for four guys. It was Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, Jason Kelsey, and Devonta Smith. Those are the guys that I can say played their goddamn hearts out. Notice Jalen Hurts is not on that list. I love Jalen Hurts. He he was not the reason they lost. He wasn't even bad. But they put him in bad position after bad position after bad position, and it got to him, and it showed, and that is what it is. Um, and that is why it doesn't matter if Nick Sirianni deserves to be the head coach for another season. Um, Mm -hmm. he might be, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'll, I'll end it with that. I've talked about the Eagles too much already.
1: My takeaways were that the pass protection unit literally didn't work the entire game and that the secondary was getting eaten alive. Um, I have one, one quick question that I want a simple answer for not long. Good luck. Did the Eagles have blinders on in see like for their in season consistencies because of like last season's success and this year's hopes? No. I saw a tweet that was like similar to this, and yeah. I kind of reworded it, but no. no, okay, that's that was just my question. No. Um, anyway, Baker Mayfield has more playoff wins than the Browns have since uh since nineteen ninety five. Baker has two, the Browns have one, and Let's the one that have-
0: the Browns have, Baker got them
1: got them. Let's talk about the divisional round. The number four Texans will head to Baltimore to play the number one seed Ravens. That'll be Saturday at 4:30 on ABC slash ESPN slash ESPN plus. Baltimore opened as nine and a half points favorites and is now nine point favorites. Obviously, this is a week one rematch for these two teams who are very different. I
0: forgot they played week one, honestly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Who won? Ravens.
0: Okay. They've lost a lot of weird games early in the season. Not a lot, but. The ones I lost. Um, Yeah, my first thought is this is going to be a really good game. Um, Yeah. uh, I I think there's a really good chance it's the best game of the weekend. Um, Mm -hmm. Obviously, I think the focus is going to be on Bill's Chiefs because of that rivalry. Um, But I think it's going to be a really, really, really good game. And it's really cool. I think we're going to see a lot of award winners in this game. We're going to see the likely MVP the likely offensive rookie of the year and my vote at least, which it's yes. going to be a toss up, I think for uh coach of the coach year, of the year. Uh, in D'Amico Ryan's. Um, yeah. It, it, it's just going to be a really good game. Um, it's I, I don't have a lot to say. Uh,
1: Mark Andrews is elevated off of no. IR. He was at practice this week. Uh, so we can assume that he'll be involved in the game in some sorts. Ravens are 4-0 in the last four matchups against the Texans. They're 11 and 13 overall. The Ravens led the league in sacks this season, 60. Te- Texans gave up a lot, 47. Ravens ranked 7th in the pass rush grade from PFF. Um for me the big takeaways is that the Ravens need to force turnovers here and they need to force the Stroud to throw into tight windows have an elite pass rush and, you know, absolutely get on Stroud. I think Kyle Hamilton's going to be a, a a game changer in this game. Uh for the the very electric Texans offense and the way it's been going. Ravens have mostly been a zone defense team this season, along with the rest of the league. They rank about middle of the pack with a 71% zone defense. The Texans do play, it looks like about 4% better Their receivers do on against zone defense. So it'll be interesting to see if that switches up. But yeah, for me, I think this is my, my highlight of the weekend. Absolutely.
0: I think it's also important to note that the um, Texans also had the fewest giveaways in the league this year. Yes. Uh, and yep. that's with a rookie quarterback, which is, again, yep. something you never see.
1: He had a 1.1% um, interception rate this season, which is insane.
0: Yep. Yep. They've, uh, Houston's offense, they're just really good. Um, no matter what the pieces they're missing, seemingly, they find way to, ways to have explosive plays. Uh, that's probably why their offensive coordinator is starting to get some actual real head coaching budge uh, uh buzz. Uh Bobby mm-hmm. Slovic, I believe his name is. Uh BFF guy. Yeah, you know where he's from? Where? Uh, right outside Philadelphia in Jersey. Mm. So
1: I figured once you say a question like that, that's usually the answer.
0: Yep. It's like a dad asking, uh, you know, do you know where they went to college? Is it the college mm-hmm. team that you like? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. I get that from my dad. Yeah. So Yep. Um Um, yep. who
1: is your pick for this game?
0: Uh, Lamar Jackson is one in three in the playoffs in his career. I know I picked two games correctly last weekend. I went two for yeah. four. um, I'm going to take the Houston Texans.
1: Oh, I went, I went three and three. You went three Cause and I three. picked one different. Picked yeah. the Lions. I'm taking the Houston Texans too.
0: No. All right. Then I'm taking the Ravens. <laughs> It's not fun just, if like, we're both contradictory. I'm going to take the Ravens. Then.
1: It's really close for me, and what puts me over the edge is that I want the Texans to win. So I'm yeah, I want the Houston Texans. Texans.
0: Well. I, I want the Texans to win as well, but I'm going to take the Ravens then.
1: Yeah, I'm taking the Houston Texans. All right, on to the next, which would be uh, Saturday night's game at eight fifteen on Fox. That would be the number seven seed, first time ever, uh, playing the number one seed, the Niners. I didn't even say this. The number seven seed Packers at the number one seed Niners. Uh, that will be on Fox. San Francisco is also nine-point favorites heading into this game. I will point out that no team that has lost to Kirk Cousins has ever played in the Super Bowl in that same year, and that the Niners lost to Kirk Cousins seventeen to twenty-two this season.
0: There you go. Mm-hmm. Um, Spicy. Yeah, I mean, I just kind of expect the Niners to dominate. Yeah. It, to be honest. Yeah. Um, this is very much where I look at it and it reminds me a little bit of like, am I underestimating them? Like I did last week with Dallas. Uh, but my guess is probably not because the Niners have more talent. They're more consistent. They're better coached. Um, and I just have more faith in them in general. Uh, so I do believe that this is probably where it catches up with them. Uh, Aaron Jones was incredible last week. He had 118 yards on 21 carries. He had three rushing touchdowns. Um, I just don't really expect that to go the same way, especially with the Niners. And this is important for the Ravens as well, especially with the Niners coming off of a first round bye, uh, which is the only one, only the first, uh, the first seeds get them. And that is insanely important. They were the number two scoring offense in the NFL.
1: Um, and they were banged up. Yeah, they were banged up going into the bye, Um, And that really, really like strengthened them because a lot of their guys got healthy Christian McCaffrey was banged up key defensive players were banged up this was the buy was absolutely needed for the Niners team.
0: Yep. Yep. Uh it's a great coaching matchup with Kyle Shanahan and Matt LaFleur. Uh Matt yep. LaFleur uh did uh he was under Shanahan with the Falcons. I believe he might have also been in Washington with Shanahan. He was under Sean McVay for a little bit. They're all from they're, they're both from the same general McVay Shanahan tree sort of thing. Uh that extended family of coaches. Um mm-hmm. I think I I believe they were both a part of that very infamous uh, 2013 Washington uh coaching staff that has like nine head coaches from it or something and Washington mm-hmm. has none of them. Um yes. but yeah, very interesting coaching matchup and yeah, uh, I I think the Packers are going to make it a closer game. I'd probably pick them to cover. Uh, however, I, I will be taking San Francisco to win the game.
1: Yeah, for me, this game is not as much intrigue. I am also taking San Francisco to win the game. When I was doing my like stats before and and pulling information, literally the only things I wrote down was that um, the San Francisco pass defense is the best in the league, and I think that's really going to impact the Packers because their run defense is also like third best in the league. So. I I don't know. It's hard to face that. I think for the Packers, they're the seventh best at pass block, which is going to be actually like the make or break for them in this game, that their pass defense will have to absolutely be crucial for them to have to even stay in this game. The Niners have lost every game they've lost. Brock Purdy has turned over the ball at least once. And I think that has to be their goal. I know they turned over Dak twice, but they were middle of the pack in turnovers this season. So they just have to kind of keep up that pressure.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And on to the number four seed, Buccaneer, is heading to Detroit for, again, Detroit's second playoff game. Only time they've played two playoff games at home. The number three, Lions. That will be Sunday at 3 o'clock on NBC. Detroit is currently six-and-a-half-point favorites.
0: I think this is the most likely one to be a blowout of the week. Um, I, I think the Lions are going to wipe the floor with them.
1: Absolutely.
0: Uh, and it's mainly because I just... I. Look, the Bucks. they could have easily put up, like, 40 on the Eagles if they didn't have, like, mm-hmm. three different drops. Uh, the, the weeks prior to that, they were miserable on offense. Uh, the Lions' defense, their passing defense isn't particularly good, um, but the Eagles' passing defense could make me look like an all-pro caliber quarterback the way they were playing. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think it's more likely than not that the Lions just blow them out uh, Offensively, and I don't think the Buccaneers are going to be able to keep up. Uh, mm. I think Aiden Hutchinson is going to be able to get after Baker, uh, who's still a little bit hobbled, um, and he's been great this season. Uh, but at the end of the, I just don't, I just don't, I think there's a large enough talent gap mismatch uh, that the Lions will make the most of it and kind of just blow them away.
1: Yeah, Hutchinson will be paired, uh, like matched up with Gadecki, who has like performed well this season but I don't think it's going to be any match for Aiden Hutchinson. And I think to me like when I do my stats before the game I look at games prior and like what's most important Tampa gave up 250 to Jalen Hurts in a in an Eagles offense that could barely move the ball. Um, and they haven't been great against quarterbacks this season. I think against golf, they need to be better to try and slow down. The, I think like their ultimate goal here is to just try and slow the offense. I don't even know that like the goal is to make them stop scoring points. It's like, you just have to slow them down a little bit. Yeah. Um, the bucks are one of three teams to give up a thousand yards to tight ends this season. Levante David's usually the one paired on tight ends and he was, pretty mid this season. So against Laporta, who's having a, a incredible first year for a rookie tight end, I think that's a, that's a tough matchup. Um, the Bucks were best at slowing runner back running backs who pass catch. Uh, so backs. I think that, I think that'll be good for them. I think Jameer Gibbs is going to have a hard time receiving, but the Bucks held running and, and the the running game, the Bucks were able to hold running backs to 3.9 yards per game and uh, 95.3. Not Sorry yards per carry and 95.3 yards per game. They have the third highest blitz rate this season, which is great if you weren't playing Jared Goff who just went 22 for 22 and 177 and (laughs) one.
0: That was a lot to take in. Yeah. Um, Who are you taking?
1: I'm taking the Lions.
0: Cool. Me too. I think I'd take them to cover as well.
1: Yes, and on to the Chiefs. The Chiefs are the number three seed, and Patrick Mahomes will be playing his first road game, road playoff game ever. They are heading to Buffalo, uh, the number two seed. That game will be Sunday at 6.30 on CBS. Buffalo has been given the normal three-point home favorites, so they are only three-point favorites right now.
0: Essentially saying that if it were on a neutral field, it would be an even match. Yep. It would be a push um
1: wait before you talk i want to say that that there is more snow coming in the buffalo area and there is a good chance bills have to cancel a bunch of their practices this week the same area around orchard park and buffalo is getting probably another two to three feet of um lake effect snow between like today and tomorrow so there that's good they're gonna need more shovelers if you're in the orchard park area and want to shovel
0: my back hurts just thinking about that i know um but yeah, this one's going to be—it's—it's—it's going to be great TV. Uh, mm-hmm. This will be the third time they faced off against each other—the Josh Allen-led Bills and the Patrick Mahomes-led Chiefs—in the playoffs. Uh, Mahomes currently is winning that matchup at a two-and-zero record. However, they've played each other six times, and the record overall is three to three. The most recent one being in Week 14, uh, the infamous. Um, Kadarius Tony lining up offsides game. And that game is also the very reason why this game is being played in Buffalo rather yes. than being played in Kansas city. Like the other times it has in the playoffs. Um, it's really going to be a fun game. The last time they met in the playoffs, another infamous matchup was the one where it went to overtime and Josh Allen never got to touch the ball, uh, which prompted the rule change for NFL playoffs, overtime rules, uh, this is going to be must-see TV. Uh, this is... Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes are turning into the closest thing that this generation is uh, getting to a Peyton Manning-Tom Brady-type mm-hmm. uh, rivalry. Yep. Um, there's definitely mutual respect in the same way there was between Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. Uh, they play almost every regular season, having consistently won their divisions, and this will be the third high-pressure matchup in the playoffs, which is just fun. Uh, It's going to be a great game, uh, and I'm going to be taking the Buffalo Bills to get their first win over the Chiefs in the playoffs. I think the home field advantage is going to be massive for them, and I think just overall the Bills are playing better football than the Chiefs are right now. And I think Josh, Josh Allen, if the MVP was voted on, in like the last five weeks of the regular season, plus the playoffs, I think Josh Allen would have as good of a um, a chance for it as anyone, but that, that's not I how agree. it works,
1: So I agree. Um, I am taking the bills as well. I just think this, uh, the bills defense is playing a lot better than I expected them to, um, especially with all of the injuries they had in, early on in the season. I think the week 14 matchup, Um, gives us a lot of insight to this game because it was so late in the season that they are pretty similar to who they were at week 14. It's not like you're seeing the Ravens Texans matchup of week one and you can put much stock in that. Um, I just think, like you said, the Bills are playing better football. I think for this game, my eyes, um, if the Chiefs are going to win are going to be on Lejarius Snead and Chris Jones. And I think that it's going to have to be on forcing Josh Allen to turn over the ball, but for me, I think it's going to end in the opposite. I think it goes to overtime, and I think Josh Allen wins it because of the rule. That's oh, you my think guess. it's going to be? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh, Just for uh, the thrill of it.
0: I believe it was Ben Solak that tweeted, the funniest way that this could end would be going to overtime. The Bills get the ball first. Josh Allen scores a touchdown. Yes. But then Patrick Mahomes scores a touchdown. They go for two and win the game that way. And win the
1: game. And that
0: would be the funniest way because if they weren't for the rule change, the Bills would win.
1: It would. Uh, I will say the Bills. The ref, the head ref in this game, is not very favorable to the Bills.
0: No, it was a Steve Hockley, I believe.
1: Yeah, he's not very favorable. Remember the um, intentional grounding call? Yep. That was his. Um he does tend to favor home teams though. If you look at his like records on calling penalties, he does tend to favor home teams. So it evens it out a little bit, but he's he doesn't seem to be a big fan of the Bills. Yep. Yep. All right. So we have one differing opinion. And technically you agree, but
0: <laughs> I thought it's- I was going I I want to I I want to make it back. I'm a game behind oh, you okay. right now. Yes. I was taking the Texans because I do believe in them, but also yes. I wanted to jump ahead of you. And if we picked yes. all the same games, that wouldn't work. And I had a feeling you'd pick the same for the rest of them. Yeah. Uh, so when you took the Texans, I'm happy to take the Ravens.
1: All right. Well, that about wraps it up. We will be staying cold tonight and uh, ready for the divisional round. Duncan, where can we find you in the meantime?
0: Uh, Watching Joel Embiid win a second consecutive MVP. Hopefully. Um, Uh, and uh, anxiously waiting to find out who will be coaching the Philadelphia Eagles in the 2024 season. Uh, And also thanking Jerry Jones for being a bumbling moron.
1: And you can find him on Twitter at duncan 75
0: That too, yep.
1: You can find me on Twitter at Ashley underscore Marie with two A's. And Ashley, me, Duncan, the entire Undroppables crew on our Discord channels by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash the Undroppables. Some really cool things going on with the team right now. So please come join us. Um, And you can find us here on Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Next week we'll be recapping the divisional round and getting ready to move on to the next. And you could listen wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can watch us back on YouTube if you prefer video, but you can see us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all that jazz. We thank you for being with us tonight, and we hope to see you next week. Have a wonderful weekend of football, everyone. Stay warm. Go birds. Bye.